So um, I just am so excited for you. If you haven't heard from Carrie before, this is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. And then after Carrie is Sarah Burtz, who, yep, is amazing and awesome as well. So you're in for a treat, ladies. No pressure, right? I mean, if I bomb, we all blame Kara. <laughs> um, okay, so I am going to start with um, something that I didn't get to say last night because I didn't think about it until later, as I was thinking all night about this morning. Um, and that is, I, um, I went first last night too, and then um, Sarah spoke, and I was sitting at the table, and I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, y'all, oh yeah, that's really... Um, and I just think it's so fascinating that we talk about not only do we have different God languages, um, you know, the sensate and intellectual, and um, I can't say some of the other ones, but um, we also have different dialects of the same God language. And the things that Sarah says sound different than the things that I say. And the way that I live it out looks different than the way that somebody else lives it out. And I'm pretty sure Melissa is an intellectual too. And so it, it looks different, and it's so... Um, amazing to me that God is so multifaceted that we all have little pieces of being made in his image. And as we look around and see all of the people that we relate to, that we see all the different pieces of God because we're all made in his image. And I just think it's um, incredibly beautiful. Um, there was something else, but I can't remember. Okay, so I'm Carrie Wood. I was going to tell you a little bit about the roles that I play in life, but I decided to go ahead and go with, like, the, the internal part of me, so you get to hear a little bit of that. Um, I am a little bit loud. I don't sit, right? I don't sit in silence. And while I'm an intellectual and I really like thinking about things, I don't like moving much. So this whole, like, sit for an hour and a half, I'm like, what's wrong with that? I mean, by all means, sit. If you could lay down, that's even better. Um, I am a verbal processor as well, and so um, there are a lot of things that I say out loud. That's part of the, um, the cognitive activity. There's a lot of discussion and debate and um, thinking out loud, and I'll say something to my husband, and then I'll say, oh, no, wait, I don't really think that. Now that I've said it out loud, that's not true. Let's go back. Um, I worry a lot about what other people think about me. God and I are very much working on that, but this makes me nervous. When you set me up like that, I get really nervous. My hands start sweating. Um, it's just part of how I am in the world. I love to read. I love books. I was sharing yesterday. Um, I went to the library to check out books. They wouldn't let me because my fines are too high. <laughs> because I also check out like a huge stack and then I don't return them until I read them all because it's very important to me that I read all of them. And so the woman <laughs> says to me, um, even if you return them, you still have to pay the fines. And I'm like, okay, sorry. And I had to leave and Josiah was crying because I was going to get him a boot. It was, and I mean like, fines. <laughs> um, what? It's embarrassing. It keeps me humble. I, am, I can do some things well, but returning library books and money management apparently is not on the list. 
See, that's me being so vulnerable, it's embarrassing to me. So there you go. Um, so roles I play. I've been married to David for 13 years. He also is an intellectual. He's an assistant um, principal at McKay. We talk about a lot of things. I talk 80% of the time, and he talks 20, but we do like to discuss. Um, I have four kids. Katie is 10. Nate is 8. Elsie is 6. Josiah is 3.5. He's super good at being 3.5. Um, I am never getting a puppy, <laughs> ever. Um, I am a sister. I have um, brothers, and I have in-laws, and I love um, being with family and spending time with them. I am a daughter. I have two parents that um, my dad is also intellectual. Um, he and I were just debating something yesterday at lunch, and Josiah was being three and a half and really bored with our discussion, but my dad and I do that a lot. Um, I am a nurse. I have been a labor and delivery nurse for 15 and a half years. Yeah, and it is awesome. But I think that it's interesting that God um, makes it, like intellectual fits the whole of who I am, how I relate to God and my love language with God relates to the whole of who I am. So here's the interesting thing about nursing for me is that it sounds kind of like caregiving, right? But I am super not a caregiver. I um, don't like sick people. I'm a labor and delivery nurse. They're not sick. <laughs> They're having babies. So I'm not even kidding. Number 262. I was like, they're waving, they're standing up back there. Number 262, if you can check your... There's a, there's a baby or a child or a toddler who needs you. Nursing, the profession of nursing, uh, doesn't look like caregiving for me. So my fascination with nursing looks like, how does the body work? How is this amazing God who has created us, how has he made the uterus to grow babies? How does he get babies out? How does it all fit together? If you're sick, what's wrong with your body systems? How do I help you with your body systems? Um, I had a um, trainer, a nurse trainer, who was um, all the pictures of the nurse trainers you can imagine in the movies. That was this woman. She had a lot to teach me. Um, but she was hard on me, and she would say things like, Carrie, just go do it. Stop asking questions. I'm like, but how does that affect your kidneys? And she's like, no, go do it. She would get so irritated with me because for me, it was about the knowledge. It was about thinking about it, and um, every time a baby comes into this world, there's all the mechanics of it, and there's the phenomenal creative God that we have, and it, um, it's my way of worship. Um, I am also an RTI student. I'm in cohort two because, you know, with being almost 40 and four kids and a husband and a nurse, I thought, I'll go back to school for four years. <laughs> and it's um, blessed by God, and I'm incredibly fortunate to be able to do it. Um, but the journey there is, is long and intense, but one piece of it is that um, years ago I said to my husband, who's known me for a very long time, I said, when I grow up, I'm going to go to seminary. And he's like, yeah, I can see that. 
And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're supposed to say, Carrie, that's crazy. He's like, but it fits you. And, and it was kind of a, um, I tell this story to say the encouragement cards that we sent, they can also be used to say to somebody, I see you, I see how you relate to God, and it's beautiful. And he said that to me. And RTI is not seminary, and I'm not claiming that it is, but the idea that I wanted to go and study more about who God is, like in class, like write papers. Um, and he said, yeah, I get that. I see that in you, was so confirming to me. And I think that we have the ability to do that for other people. That's just a little side note for you. So I um, am in class and our professor says, how are you guys doing? How are you feeling with your relationship with God? How's class going? And um, person after person says, well, I'm kind of dry. I'm so busy doing homework. I don't get to spend time with God. I haven't gone on a hike. Of course, you know me. I'm laying on the couch. Um, and I said, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I have never grown more in my life. I have never changed and understood the rich, deep words of God and the theology in my life. I am in heaven studying and writing papers. And, um, and it was just, again, a confirmation of the idea that, oh, this is how I'm made. This is how I'm wired. We got to download this, I'm not kidding, like systematic theology book on our computer. One of our professors gave it to us, and I was like, yeah, I'm so excited. That's what it looks like for me. And, um, and we do judge ourselves based on other people. We compare, right? And so I'm looking around, and everybody's like, I'm so dry. And I'm like, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not really growing. And we can't do that. I mean, the truth is, when I have to write a position summary on um, the Trinity, and I'm able to go, oh, it's in this verse and this verse, and this is what I believe in, and then I turn it in, like, it makes my heart happy, and I know more about who God is, and I'm able to worship him more. And that's how it looks for me. And I have to lean into that, because I get that it's pretty nerdy. Um, so another way, and again, this is not about, I'm thankful that this is not about me trying to tell you how to do something. This is about how I am in the world in relation to God. And so I appreciate the privilege of getting to do that. So that's just really what I'm doing. One of the ways I do that, um, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So I read this verse, and it just really resonated with me, and I thought, that's what I want my kids to live like. That is how I want our family to be in our house. Just a little side note. We're not. We don't live it out all the time. So I'm going to tell you some stories. But of course, when I stand up here, you hear the good stories. You don't hear the, you know. <laughs> so just know that. Know that I'm not saying that we've got it all figured out. But I see this, and it speaks to me. And I think I want this for my kids. 
So what do we do? I read it to them. I put it on a three by five card and I make us look up all the definitions of the words. <laughs> yeah. So I say to them, you guys, the first part of it, and mind you, this was like a good year ago. So they were nine, seven, five, and like two. <laughs> and they're like, okay, mom. Um, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, what does that mean, you guys? And they're, you know, just looking at me. So I keep talking because I can do that. Um, I said, guys, God chose you to be holy, and he loves you. And because of that truth, then we live this way. And I didn't tell him once. I told him over and over again, guys, God chose you to be the holy people he loves. And because of that, this is how we live. And I don't do it all at once. I do it day after day after day, and it's on a three-by-five card put up on the wall. Because there are people who make it beautiful and make a chalkboard. And I put it on a three-by-five card on the wall. <laughs> because the chalkboard is not my gift. <laughs> and then we started talking about what do you clothe yourself? What does that mean to clothe yourself? And of course, the five-year-old knows that. Like, I don't know how to put on clothes. So what if you put on kindness like you put on your shirt? So we're talking about it. I'm engaging their minds. Um, we looked up mercy. What does mercy mean? We talked about it. I looked it up for you. Mercy means forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within my power to punish or harm. And so we talked about that. So when Josiah breaks your Legos, which he does all the time, and it's within your power to knock him upside the head, you choose not to. You say, please don't do that next time. And once in a while, that's how we handle it. <laughs> um, clothe yourselves in humility. Have a modest opinion of yourself. Put others above yourself. Make allowances for each other's faults. And again, I'm going to use another example. And like I said, we um, argue all the time at our house. But this morning, I... Um, turned down a song to talk to the kids in the back seat. And when I turned it back up, that song was over. And Elsie said, Mom, I missed the Mulan song. And I said, I'm sorry, I'll pause it next time. She goes, okay. And I said, Elsie, you made allowances for my faults. And she's like, what? And I was like, you didn't get mad. You didn't get angry. You made allowances for my faults like that verse we just read. And she goes, oh. And again, we're engaging our minds. When we hide God's word in our heart, it plays out in our minds and it plays out in our lives. Um, the other way we do that is that we, um, so we talked about all the words. It's up on a three-by-five card. We've started to read it in the morning in the car because your kids are a captive audience when they're all in the back seat. And you can say anything you want. They, don't have, they can't go anywhere. So we've started just reading it, and this morning, my 10-year-old quoted it by heart. And I was like, what? Yes! Um, it was just, it was really exciting, because that's how I love God. I study the scripture, I put it in my heart and my head, and I say my heart, but it's really about it being available to, for me to access. Um, we wrote, so this is another way I use God's word. We wrote a paper on forgiveness, and I used this verse at the end of the paper we were supposed to write uh, out of prayer. And so one of the ways 
when I've memorized and put God's word in my mind, it allows me to pray his words back to him and over myself and over my kids and over the people that I love. God, I know that you love me, that you chose me to be a holy person. Will you help me to put on tenderhearted mercy? Will you help me to put on humility? Will you help me to make allowances for other people's faults? I understand the enormous forgiveness that you've granted me. Will you help me forgive others? So it's huge for me to be able to use God's word and to pray it over myself and the people that I love. Um, And again, just a side note, like, do you guys get that in this country we have this? In it. Like, any house can have one or two or seven, that it can live on my nightstand. Um, I always get choked up when I'm up here. But this is a precious gift from your Heavenly Father, and I get that we all interact with it in different ways. We have to interact with it because it is God's Word. And we, here in this country, get to have it. And that is an enormous gift, and I am so thankful Done with that soapbox. Um, so, how else does intellectual play out in my life? I love Bible studies. Um, I love. I do. I love answering the questions. I love reading it and then reading all the little notes underneath. And then um, I have found that I love commentaries and seeing what other people say and the wisdom of other people. Um, there are. There is a Bible study that um, has phenomenal curriculum and asks amazing questions, but you have to write. You only can say what you write, Um, some of you know, and I struggle with that because I not only want to read and write, but then I want to discuss it a whole bunch. So that's a part of who I am too. I had to be very quiet in that Bible study, and I wasn't very good at it. Um, I love to talk about the original language and the words in the original language. It makes it come alive for me. The word pictures of the original text um, are phenomenal. I like to know the culture. Like, I think about things like what was happening in Galatia when Paul wrote to the Galatians. I get that not everybody thinks that way, but, like, that makes it so fascinating to me. Um... I like to talk about the cultures and the genres. I like to have discussions in RTI. Um, I like to take notes and underline things and um, highlight things. If you look at this, my um, talk tonight is in um, outline form because that's how I roll. I love to go and listen to sermons. I particularly like sermons with slides and three points. You will see me. making notes during sermons because I listen better if I can write down what they say and think about it later. Um, But there are things that are hard for me about this. I find um, that I have a hard time sometimes taking the knowledge and turning it into wisdom and application. Um, 1 Timothy 1, 4 talks about don't not letting them waste their time in endless discussion, that those things only lead to meaningless speculation. And so I have to work to not go round and round on something that I don't understand because that's hard for me. And to go round and round or have the head knowledge and not let it come out as heart knowledge 
and the way that I live in the world. Um, Solomon, which we talked about being a good example of this, not only did he have knowledge, but he had wisdom. He understood how to translate those things, and that's something that I struggle with sometimes. It's hard for me to not know a definitive answer to something. Um, Jennifer talks about taking something that you don't understand and putting it on the shelf, trusting that God will bring it up later when you need to know it. That's a hard practice for me, but that word picture helps me to go, I don't get this. I'm going to put it on the shelf and trust God. So faith is not, I'm not a huge person on faith. It needs to make sense for me. But I know that, and that's part of, you know, those, we all have flip sides of our languages that are the things that are struggles. Um, I have seen growth as I've walked through RTI. And I would tell you, because of this verse, I have seen growth, um, that I have been more patient, that I have been kinder, that I have overlooked um, faults of my kids. And then yesterday was a really hard day, and I just growled at them all day long. And I was like, again, God, look at you keeping me humble. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, but Steve talked about when you let your roots go down deep, that you start to see growth. And even if it's just a teeny tiny bit, that that's something that's God working in you as you engage with him in the, in the language that, of your heart. Um, I love that somebody brought up the heart, soul, and mind because I had somebody say to me, don't ever let anybody mock you because you want to study it because it says in Matthew, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And I, I thought, oh, thank you because that was so confirming for me. Um, ways that, wait a minute, I'm going to go back. Um, Ephesians 2.8. I'm going to read that to you first. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. I need to remember that. That um, when I compare, when I fall short, that it's not about me doing the things right or me memorizing the right verses or me reading the right thing or me even walking out the verses the right way. It's by grace that I've been saved. And so I want to, that's just, I feel like God said that to me as I was like, God, I did today so badly and then I have to go talk about how you and I relate with my mind. And he's like, yeah, but it's, been, it's by grace you've been saved. So it's not on any of the things you do. It's a gift. Um, I think we need to remember that. It's important to me and important to all of us that it's purely him. So I am just going to give you a couple of things. Um, nobody's required, obviously, to change their love language or even practice other love languages. But if you wanted to, I would tell you that memorization is a pretty awesome way to do it as you sit and focus on specific, specific verses. Um, it has been powerful in my life, and it's not been, I know that there are very specific memorization curricula, and it hasn't looked like that for me. Um, it's just been God brings this to mind, and then I put it on a three-by-five card and slap it up in the house somewhere um, so that I read it a lot, and it starts to get stuck. Um, there are, I'm just gonna do a little shameless plug, slugs and bugs, has put out two Sing the Bible CDs, 
And my kids absolutely love them. And they are just straight scripture. For it is by faith that you, grace that you have been saved um, in song. For you are God's work. For you are God's masterpiece. I'm not going to sing it. I'm tempted, but I'm not going to. Um, and it just sings it over and over and over. And, and it's beautiful because my three-year-old can sing a full passage of Scripture. And now it's in his mind. Woohoo! Love it. S- try praying the Scripture over yourself and the people that you love. If something stands out to you, by all means, give it to somebody else. Give it away. It's not caregiving. It's with your mind. Um, these, are powerful, these are powerful words given to us, and they're God's words. So we know that it's within God's will that I pray, God, let me forgive others. God, let me be merciful. God, let me be humble. These are true things that we can pray. Um, I... Had somebody else to say, and I can't remember. Because sometimes my mind doesn't work. Um, I feel blessed that I get to um, be here. I hope that um, you hear my heart, which is that um, we are all so uniquely made. I just, I think that Kara stressed that. I think that um, it's just really important that we hear God saying, look at the unique, look at the creative and embrace it all. And Sarah Burtz is going to come talk. And like I said, it's a totally different dialect. I love listening to her because it looks so different. Um, and it's really fun. Thanks, Carrie. Um, so I'm Sarah Burtz. I know many of you, but not all of you. So I'll let you um, into my world a little bit. I um, work here at the church. I'm group life coordinator. I've been here about five and a half years. Um, I grew up here in Salem, and then when I was about eight, um, my parents moved down to Lebanon, Oregon to work at Camp Tadmore, which is where I grew up until I was 18. Um, And then I moved to Portland, went to Multnomah Bible College, and um, got a degree, double majored in Bible and theology and intercultural studies. Um, and then when I graduated, it took me five years instead of four because I apparently liked it so much. Um, I got the job here, and I am blessed to be able to um, minister here. I'm on the Bible study curriculum writing team, which is my favorite thing on the planet. Um, there is nothing more exciting than to write a draft of a Bible study, walk into a room with Barbara Fletcher, and come out with so many red marks on your paper that it's hard to even read what you wrote originally. Um, it's a thrill, and it's amazing, and the process has been so fun. Um, so that's a little bit about me. My brother lives here in town. He has three kids. I get to be their fun, crazy aunt. Um, and I spoil them rotten. My grandma lives here in town. She's at Capitol Manor. And um, it's been really interesting to walk the growing old process with her. Um, she, too, is crazy. I get it probably a little bit from her. Um, my favorite catchphrase of hers is, well, sweetie, whatever turns you on. So um, it's a little insight into my world. So. Um, I have a dog. Her name is Mercedes. She's going to be 14 this summer. Uh, she's my baby. and. Um, Yeah, she has seen me through a lot of hard times and a lot of good times, and um, she, yeah. So anyways, that's that's me in a nutshell. Um, My God language is, intellectual is not my top one. I was here at the very um, first gathering, 
and I talked about how traditionalist is my top God language. Um, so intellectual is a piece of that. It's probably my top three. Um, so mine, like Carrie said, looks a lot different than hers does. Um, I have to take into account that there's traditionalist first, and then also I have one of my spiritual gifts is faith. So when you get into like the hard theological questions, I'm like, I don't know, I don't care, we'll figure it out in heaven. Um, and so I'm, so that's not, those aren't the things that like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and research like what God thinks about predestination. I don't know, I don't care, we'll find out about heaven, you know. So, um, and then also just personality, all of that plays into what your God languages look like. So that's part of what Carrie was saying about there's just different dialects of each God language. Um, for example, the systematic theology book that she was talking about, I hate it. It is the worst book on the entire planet. If I believed in burning books, I would burn it. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't believe in burning books. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Um, but I, I just don't find that fun at all. I don't enjoy it. It's, blah, it makes me want to vomit. Um, but it is true that I don't feel, I never feel more connected with God than when I'm reading my Bible, finding the connections, seeing the themes, digging into commentaries to find out metaphors, what they mean, the original context, all of those things, so that I can know, um, like in sermons, when truth is being spoke, I know it because I've researched it. When, when falsity is being preached, I know it because I've researched it. That is how I worship God with my mind. Um, this also plays into like how I view culture. So I don't like reading systematic theology, but I love reading novels. I love watching TV. I love watching movies, um, going to coffee with friends. And so I love being able to use my mind in that. My knowledge of scriptures, um, when I'm talking with somebody, not that I'm like searching for spirituality and the things of the world, but I can um, take what I know and apply it to what I'm seeing. Kind of like Paul did with um, in Acts 17 with the tomb, the uh, altar to the um, unknown God, and he used that as an example of Christ. And I think it's so cool that we can take things in culture and say, this is how um, Christ relates to this and share that with other people. Um, I'm not super great at that because I, talking with people kind of freaks me out, but I like being able to um, have that knowledge and be able to know what is truth and what isn't. Um, so anyways, like I said, I'm not perfect at this. There are days and weeks that I go without spending quality time in the scriptures, but um, I get filled up when I'm there. That's how I connect best with God. Um, and this morning, I'm going to talk through kind of how I do this, like on a weekend with worship songs. Um, and I'll, we'll do a little bit of a practice here with that as well. So um, I love listening to worship music. It's, it's a way that I can connect with God with my mind. Um, I don't go around listening for fall in songs, and I don't send discouragement cards when I disagree with music. Um, but there are some songs that I choose not to sing because I can't agree with the words. And when I can't agree with the words, I can't worship God with my mind. One example of this, and if you like this song, I apologize, is um, Michael W. Smith's Above All. There's a word, there's a line in there that says, it's talking about Christ dying on the cross, and it says, and he thought of me above all. I have to not sing that song, especially when I'm singing it with other people, because it's really awkward to be like, thought of me above all, above you. Um, 
You know what I mean? Like, I can't sing that song because I know Christ thought of me. Psalm 139, he knew me in my mother's womb. Um, Colossians 1, it talks about being before him blameless and pure because of what he did for me on the cross. So I get that he was thinking of me on the cross. I know that from the scriptures. But he wasn't thinking of me above you guys. You know what I mean? He was thinking of all of us. The sin of the world was on his shoulders. It wasn't just my sin. It was there, but it was the sin of the world. So when I'm interacting with a worship song, those are the things that are going in my head. Um, when we have a new song introduced during the service, I don't sing it the first time. I let the words wash over me. I evaluate whether or not I can truly sing those songs and worship back to my king. Um, when I don't know words in a song, I um, make sure that I look it up. So I think Jeff's talked about this from the front before, but in the, the hymn, Come Thou Fount, um, the second verse, it says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. First time I heard that years ago, I was like, what the heck is an Ebenezer? Um, so I looked it up. Turns out it's from 1 Samuel um, 7. In verse, it's, God helped the Israelites win a battle. And in verse 12, it says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin, saying it, its name is Ebenezer, which says, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So it's literally a monument set up in, in recognition of God's help. So when I sing that now, it's my... Um, it's the image of me laying a stone of memorial before the Lord. And I just love that. I mean, it makes the song so much richer when I know what I'm singing. Um, so my favorite songs are Christmas songs because Christmas is the best holiday. And because I'm a traditionalist, my favorite songs are also hymns. So I thought we could practice kind of doing this with a Christmas hymn. Um, so we're going to take some time and listen to the song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. You have the um, lyrics in front of you at the top of your page. We're going to listen to it. I just want you to, like, let it soak in, read the words, kind of just be processing. And once it's done, then we'll read through some scriptures. I'll kind of talk about how that relates, and then we'll be able to listen to it again. So you can go ahead and play it. Thank you. 
sufficient merit raise us to thy glorious So I did a little research on this hymn, and the gentleman who wrote it um, spent a lot of time in Isaiah as they were writing this uh, song. And so I'm going to read a couple passages and kind of point back to the themes that um, we see in the song that are from, straight from the scriptures. Um, so Isaiah 9, 2, and 6 through 7 says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So even just in that, we can hear, like, born a child, yet a king, for unto us a child is born. Um... He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Um, he will reign in us forever. Um, he will sit on the throne of David forever. Um, he will save his people. Um, verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. I mean, it's straight from scriptures. I mean, even the title, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. How long before Jesus came did Isaiah prophesy that he would come? I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of how the scriptures um, can be in interpreted through a song. And when we sing it, we're declaring that truth, and we're worshiping with our, him with our minds. Um, Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Um, praise the Lord. <laughs> um, Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sin release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. I mean, don't be afraid. He has ransomed you. He's called you by name. You are his. There's, I mean, it's just beautiful how the scriptures just shine um, for what God has done for us. Um, and then lastly, Isaiah 63, 61, 3, 10 through 11. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a, beauty of, a crown of beauty for ashes, 
a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Um, Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. We are his bride. He is our bridegroom. Um, He is going to raise us to be with him. Um, So I, I do that as an example of what it looks like to worship through music with our minds. Um, when we hear a song, enter in, enjoy it, but also really think about what it's saying, where it comes from in the scriptures, how to respond. I mean, my response when I now sing come that long expected Jesus is so much different because I know exactly where it's coming from. Um, and I can praise him because he has come. And we're not expecting him the first time, we're expecting him again a second time. Um, So I get the privilege of um, allowing us to listen to this song again, and I just ask that you would enter into worship of your king. Um, Think about the words of Isaiah, think about the words of this song, and um, not to um, say that if you don't find every scripture for every song that's bad and, you know, you can't worship. No, it's just another way of being able to enter into worship of your king. So enjoy.
us to thy glorious throne. 